Father God, we thank you for the fixes. Yeah. We thank you that they are just an incredible blessing. Father, I pray that everything that they spoke to us this weekend will come back at them tenfold, Lord God. Yeah. That what we are going to walk into because of just acting and responding to the words that they've given us, Lord God, I pray that they would experience the same in Jesus' yeah. mighty name. Lord, bless them. Thank you for their family, Lord God. I thank you that the, the, that the heavens are open over this family and that they will model something of an open heaven. And that Gledwich will be just benefiting in an incredible way as they live under this open heaven. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You guys um, it's so wonderful to be here with you. Thank you for having us. I was laughing at the, the planes being grounded on Saturday. And I was like, gosh, Ange, we nearly didn't get here again. Um, because we did joke that we're going back with Kalina. Maybe, maybe not. We might be here next weekend. So we can part two. Stan going to just cut this in two parts for next weekend. Um, but yeah, we are um, very delighted to be here. We have been leading Glenridge for five years in January. Um, but have been Glenridge for, have been at Glenridge for a very long time. And have been trying to leave Glenridge actually since we got <laughs> on to Eldershire. We wanted to go and plant a church, but God obviously had another plan. And um, But have loved Glenridge, have three beautiful children. Cameron is here with us. Um, it is his first time on an aeroplane. And I was telling the ladies yesterday, it was so wonderful to experience that with him on Friday. Because, you know, you can get kind of blasé, done a couple of air flights, and now... You see it with this 14-year-old, and he was, shame, I think everyone on the plane was probably like, oh my gosh, I mean, this child is videoing everything. <laughs> walking to the, you know, boarding pass, walking. It was very, very exciting. He wanted a neck pillow. <laughs> Tara was like, no, Cam, I'm not sure, it's only one hour. <laughs> I'm not sure you're going to be the neck pillow. He was in the cosmic candy where he was buying a sweet. He was like, over the top excited. Maybe kid did not need to be in the cosmic candy. But anyway, yeah, so it was very wonderful. We have an older son as well, Matthew, who is 23. Stan is so excited. He is all for books this year. So, uh, I'm like, shame. Stan's like, no, not shame. He was paying medical aid. He was doing this. That's right. So Stan's excited. Life is hard. You get it. She is delightful. She's going to be 21 in June. So yeah, we have three lovely children. They have all been born and raised in community. Yeah, Friends, let me tell you, everyone wants to know your number one parenting tip. Stay in the community. Find a beautiful yeah. church yeah. and get knitted into community. Yeah. That will help you. I have no other great wisdom for parenting other than get into a community and let them help you raise your children. It is the hardest job in the world. But when you've got amazing people around you, they can help you. And um, same thing with your marriage. So it's an absolute privilege to be here. I also thought there have been so many prayers for this time and this weekend. So two years prayers, worth of prayers. Yeah. We've been praying for being here. So yeah, we are excited to be here. And my man is going to bless you. He loves the Word of God. And he has been praying for this time. So I know that he's going to be 
released here this morning. Thank you. Should we just go home now? That's such a nice yeah. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, you've got a mention. Yeah. Okay. I just want to say, Jared, you're a catalytic gift. Yeah, it's true. You, you get, I mean, I was ripping you off yesterday as well. <laughs> but um, you walk into a room and something shifts. Yeah. And don't, don't take that for granted and embrace it. And let God use you in that. I feel like you're going to go into, into businesses. I think you said you had a business something degree or whatever. I'm sure you're in business still. And, um, but you, you're going to disrupt the way things happen in a positive way. And, and, and catalyze something, you and your family. So, so I, really, I really thank God for you that you're in this community. You're, yeah. a, you're a wonderful gift there. And uh, Job was uh, asked to say prayer yesterday, grace or whatever it was. Thanks for the, for the food at the men's time. And ended up preaching to us. But anyway, I just, I just wanted to say, Jeremy, you're, you're, you're a wonderful man. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, so I'm just going to jump straight into it. Um, I know it's uh, we cramped and we need to get out of here. But uh, before we do that, I'm trusting God's going to encounter you in a profound way. Um, we've been praying for this time and trusting God for... We, when we come to these moments, we, we kind of don't come with your, your favorite preach. I mean, you, when you've kind of been preaching for a bit, you've got a whole list of preachers that you could preach. But actually, is that what God wants to speak to you as a community? And, uh, and that's the... That's the, the that's the question I've been asking God. What is it for this community? And one of the things that I said to the eldership team is you've got to empty your quiver. You can't hold anything back just in case you have a battle coming. You've got to trust God to fight the battles. So in other words, you go into battle with no hammer. It's not a clever thing to do if God hasn't said you, told you to do that. But if God tells you to do that, that's what you've got to do. And friends, you've got to have faith for your next season. This building is a temporary thing. If it's meant to become a permanent thing, trust God to buy it, alter it, and make it your own. Yeah. Don't, don't hold back. Don't. The question is not how. The question is what. Let God take care of the how. And um, I, I, I want to just say this to you, Ant. And I, I, I hope this is not going to pour water on your fire or your, whatever that saying is. God hasn't called you to be a big church. God hasn't called you to be a thousand people. God's called you to be a majorly influential church. Very good. So God hasn't called you to build a big church. He's called you to call, build big people. And influence. If 300 people can fit into this thing, that's enough for God to use you. But don't, don't hold back, guys. This is, you're in a, we're in a moment now where the world has been shut down and God's opening it up and reset everything. Now is the time to put your foot on the accelerator and hit it. Go and, and shoot the whole lot out and allow God to give you the victory. Yeah. I, really, I really felt that this morning as I walked into this into this property. There's something wonderful about this property. Yeah. yeah. It's grass, it's just it's beautiful. It's the, the quality is beautiful. It's lovely. God can I'm not saying it is this, but if it is this, go for it. Don't, don't hold back over this time. I wanna I wanna talk in saying that, I wanna say this to you. To take hold of, to know the promises of God is one thing, but to take hold of the promises of God is another thing. And um, and so often God will speak to us, and God will make promises like He did to the Israelites in Genesis chapter 15. He told Moses, He told Abraham, 
Abraham, I'm going to make you more numerous. And Abraham's like, but I haven't even got a son. I'm married. I cannot. Don't worry about. Don't worry about how. Thank you, Lord. You're going to make me more numerous than the stars. And and he and he kind of gives all these promises to Abraham. At the very last end of this, he says, "I'm going to, the land in which you are standing. I'm going to give to you. The land in which you're standing. I'm going to give to you. And all of these arts, Perizzites and all these arts." These Canaanites, you're going to subdue them, and you're going to. This is going to be your inheritance. Yeah. And in Joshua chapter five, you get to the moment where God has fulfilled all of those promises. They are numerous. They, they were blessed and became a blessing in um, in Egypt. They then became slaves in Egypt, and God freed them out of their slavery and brought them across the Red Sea with the great power and and one signs and wonders. And eventually, Pharaoh lets them go, and they cross the sea. They go, to, they go to Sinai where they get the law and they get how to live as a community that is distinct from the rest of the world. And then, they, and then they're now about to go into the promised land. And what happens is um, they send out some spies. Two of them come back and say, let's go do this. Ten of them say, we can't do this. There's too many problems there. The giants are too big. One, ten of them see giants and two of them see the size of the grapes. Yeah. And um, they say, listen, but the grapes are amazing. You know, the, the giants are big, but the grapes, have you seen the grapes? <laughs> Why are they? And what happens is, God stops a generation of people from walking into that land because people, all they saw was giants. You, you see, again, it's not, it's not, you don't have to know how now. You just have to know what. When you know what, let God take care of the how. And so they got consumed with the how, but the how, God says, I'll give it to you. Don't worry. No. Eventually, God says, right, you lot, you're going to wander around the desert for 40 years. And when you've all died out, because I need a people of faith to live in that land. You're going to get in by faith. You got out of Egypt by trusting in the blood of the Lamb around your doors. You're going to get into the land by trusting in the blood of the Lamb around your doors also. And you're going to stay there by the same way. But if you have not got faith for that, Actually, you're going to die there, and I'd rather you die in the desert than profane, profane my name in that place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good. It's like, dudes, you're not going to do this. So actually what happens is they die out, a new generation is born, and two of them live, Jacob and, and Caleb, uh, Joshua and Caleb. You were the two that saw the big grapes, not the big giants. And so what happens is then God takes them, and he says, right, now it's time to go. The problem is they've got a flooding river in front of them, the Jordan. And once again, I said go. I didn't ask you how. No. That's a word for you guys. That's like, I didn't really plan to say that. Stop asking how. Just ask what. Who, what, rather than how. So, so they get to that and he says, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to take the ark. I want you to take my presence and the priests and the Levites. And I want you to go stand in the middle of the river. And when you stand in the middle of the river, the people will follow through. They're like thinking, listen, the river is in flood. How are we going to do this? Just listen to me. As, the, as they get with the presence of God, where their feet touch the, the water, the water backs up all the way back to a town called Adam. And it says, and they cross over on dry ground. They cross over on dry ground. And listen, it's not, it's not like 10 families. It's like more than 2 million of them. Two million came out of Egypt like this, and they've been 40 years reproducing. So now 
They are millions of these dudes. They're like now a lot of people to cross the river. And they, they eventually get across the river. And as the last people get across the river, the river comes back behind them and flood again. And uh, you see, the amazing thing, that miracle only works in one direction. Mm-hmm. Once you've crossed over, there's no turning back. Yeah. Don't, don't look for a way back. Once you, 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 that's why he says count the cost on this side. Yeah. So you, you cross the river, and then the, it comes back. Now you can't go back because now it's flooding. Now you, all you've got in front of you is Jericho. They've been looking at Jericho from the other side of the river thinking, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? Walled cities, all these things. Now we're in the land. It's, it, they've got to take hold of this is the land of their promise this is the land of their inheritance and they get they're now in this place and because God has done such an incredible work of backing this river up the people in the land are like scared yeah. they're completely intimidated they're like oh my gosh what are we going to do and, and, and one of the lines in Joshua chapter 5 it says and they lost their spirit Spirit means breath. It's like they got so scared that it took their breath away. They were low in morale. They were fin- they were they were ready to be beaten. They were beaten before they even started fighting. They were that because they thought, my gosh, how are we going to withstand these people whose God does that? And God, in that moment, says, "Now I want you to just stop for a moment because you've been disobedient to me over the forty years. None of you are circumcised." And they get circumcised. Now again, don't think one or two men. Everybody of fighting age, all the men had to get circumcised. So if there's three million of them, it's like a million men get circumcised. That's a lot of circumcision. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, the hill, it's called the hill of, of circumcision or something. The, the, the hill of the foreskin or something. That all happened on. If you read, it's in the scriptures. I promise you. I wonder it's caused that. That's like, there's a lot. So now they're in the, in the place and it says now they have to get healed and then they wait for, wait to get healed. And then, then after they get healed, he says to them, now what I want you to do is I want you to have Passover. So not only, you see, circumcision was a very key part. I'm, not, I'm going to talk about that a bit. The next part is it says now I want you, and they enjoy Passover. They only enjoyed Passover. They were meant to enjoy Passover every year as one of the feasts to remember their deliverance from Egypt. Yeah. It happened in Egypt when, they, when, when the, 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 the Passover actually happened. And then when they went to Sinai and got the law, they had it again. But for 40 years, they had not had Passover. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't feasted for 40 years. Partly because they were staying in the desert. Manner, but they but they but they haven't been circumcised either. So it's kind of they've lost they lost their way with God. This generation, so God has to restore them back into an understanding of who they are, not just you know, not just who they are, but whose they are. Very good. So often our identity, we ask the question, "Who am I?" I think our identity should be more in whose am I. Yeah, that good. is your true identity. Whose am I? I'll get who am I from whose am I? Yeah, you, I'm God's son. Yeah. So he restores that. And the next thing that happens is Joshua goes for a walk now because he's thinking, hey, Jericho, goes for a walk into Jericho. And he encounters the angel of the Lord. He has this, this encounter with 
a man with his sword drawn. He's standing there, and it's not like a little toothpick sword, it's like a proper sword. And he goes to, he goes to um, this, this angel, this man, and he says to him, he says, are you for us or are you against us? And the man just simply says, no. No. Like, like you've asked the wrong question. You don't understand. I am the commander of the Lord's army. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua, all of a sudden, remember Joshua is not young, man. Joshua was 80 years old. 40 years in the desert, 40 years. He is he's an, older, he's an older man. He has seen the whole lot. He was with Moses. He was with them back in the, when they got the deliverance. He's crossed the Red Sea. He's been at Sinai. He's been with Moses. He's been at the tent of meeting where Moses' face was glowing. Yeah. He's been through. He's seen the whole movie. He's been wandering in the desert with them. He's crossed the Jordan. He has seen, Joshua's seen it all. He's got the t-shirt. But Joshua has to have an encounter with God to remind him who is God. Yeah. And he has this encounter. He worships him. He falls down and he worships him. And he says, Lord, please tell me, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. No, no longer is he asking the questions. He's saying, please, now you speak to me. You, I need to hear your voice. And, the, and the, this, the, the angel of the Lord says, stand up. Take your shoes off. You're standing on the holy You see, friends, for us to inherit what God has got for us, to take hold of that Joshua 5 is the preparation that's needed for them to take hold of the promises of God. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage you to study Joshua chapter 5 mm-hmm. and ask God to show you how what you must learn to take hold of the promises of God, to take hold of your inheritance. Anyway, so and there's four things that they have to do, and I want to just quickly give them to you. I've made a slide for you just to remind you of the four things. The first thing is this, which I didn't speak about but I'll talk about now is you've got to have a holy memory. The second thing is there's got to be a circumcision for us no longer physically but of the heart. Thirdly, you've got to remember what the Passover means. You've got to enjoy the Passover. Number four, you've got to encounter God. And when I say encounter God, I'm, it doesn't, I'm not just talking about having, goose, having a soaking session or whatever and, and, and getting gooseies. No, no, God can do that. I'm talking about where you are flat on your face in repentance and saying, God, please speak to me now. Actually, and him saying, listen, take your shoes off, you're standing on holy ground. Those four things are absolutely key. Number one, you've got to have a holy memory. And the reason why I say that is what happened is as they crossed the, the, the Jordan, God said to them, I want you to take 12 stones, 12 rocks from the center of the Jordan. And I want you to build a a, a memorial stone out of those 12 rocks. And it says they they put them on their shoulders. So they weren't like little stones. They were like boulders. And each of the 12 12 tribes took one of those rocks from the middle of 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 the Jordan, of the flooding river, and put them on the side. He said, when your children ask you, what do these things mean? Tell them, this is the place. Where God backed up the Jordan. This is the place of our taking hold of our inheritance. God God did a great miracle with me. God did a great miracle for His people. 
Friends, we've got to remember what God has done for us if we're going to take hold of what God has for us. And it might seem quite simplistic, but it's amazing how quickly we forget when we're in trouble. It's amazing how quickly we forget what God has done for us when we're facing hardship and persecution and suffering. We're facing a great challenge. It's amazing how quickly we forget what God has done for us. God brought them across a flooding river in the moment, a whole nation, every single one of them. I'm hope, hopefully we're going to sing a song at the end of this called Joshua. And the, one of the key lines to the, the song is this, your love is an open Jordan. Remember this, friends, you live by the grace of God. You did nothing to open the Jordan all the way back to Adam. God dealt with your past in a moment all the way back to Adam. In a moment by the grace of God. All you had to do was walk up to the Jordan and it literally backed up. It's not, it wasn't because they were clever. It wasn't because they were gifted. It was, they just were obedient and they, and they believed God and actually took that step. When we were saved, friends, the grace of God that was available to us, that came and took hold of our hearts, is absolutely profound. I think we kind of can easily lose the power of our salvation. The power of what it is to know Jesus. The power of what it is to, to walk with Jesus. We've got to have a holy memory. A holy memory means this, being grateful and thankful. Personally and corporately. What has God done? Thank you, Jesus. We need to have, we need to have worship evenings where we're just thanking God for what He's done and who He is. Yeah. Never just going back to that pile of stones all the time. Remembering the power of God that saved us, that graced us, that loved us, that found us, that delivered us. And I love that he says, set it up, he says, set up stones. Sorry, I haven't read the scripture just for time. He says, set up stones at Gilgal. You've got to set it up. It's not like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll have a moment. You've actually got to have moments like, of memory. You've got to have, set them up. Set up the stones. Be intentional about, actually, this is going to be a moment. We're going to talk around the dining room table about what God has done for us as a family. What God has done for me. What God has done for us. A holy memory. Remembering this is that they, tried, they crossed on dry ground. There's no mud on their shoes as they go into the new land. You leave your past behind. You don't carry your past into your inheritance. You're on dry ground. Imagine, imagine the dust. Millions of people. Imagine the mud pool it would have been if it wasn't dry. When I, when, I, when, I, when, I hear, when you see that it says, and they crossed over on dry ground, I felt God say to me, nobody's never meant the grace of God washes us clean. We don't carry mud with us into what God has for us into the future. And if you are, if you are, get rid of it. Shake your feet off. Because God doesn't intend you to carry your past with you into your future. Amen. Especially your bad past. A past that makes you weak. A past that brings shame and guilt into your life. The second thing, if we want to be prepared to take hold of our inheritance, is we've got, to, we've got to understand this thing called circumcision. Now, circumcision for, for the Israelites was a, was a very big deal because it was the mark that Abraham, God gave to Abraham to say that this would distinguish you. 
So this way you are a marked people. You need to remind yourself all the time that you are a marked people. You're a marked generation. And you're not just marked for my purposes, but you are mine. You are, I'm owned by you. You're my possession. You're my inheritance. Part of what's happening. Friends, when, we, when we're taking hold of what God has for us, we've got to remember whose we are. We are His. He wants to, in that in that marking, there was you, the promises of God are available to you. Now these are the people that for 40 years have forgotten about the promises of God. This is a, pe- a group of people that have forgotten about the power of God. Now they have this incredible moment of, of crossing the river. And God has to remind them, remember now, you see that power that got you across the river? That's the same power that gets you into the rest of the land. And by the way, you are mine. That's why I'm doing this for you. Do you understand the promises that I gave Abraham? They are yours. This, this moment was a moment of putting them back into the story of God, into an inheritance, even though they've been disobedient for 40 years. Friends, we now carry the mark of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We don't get physically um, um, circumcised. But, but there's a circumcision of heart that we are meant to have by the Holy Spirit. And if we want to take hold of what God has for us, we've got to allow God to cut away the flesh of our hearts. The, 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 the pieces of our hearts that are not helpful for our future. You've got to deal with the, you've got to deal with the disobedience of the past, the past. You know, to not circumcise. Moses nearly got killed because he forgot to circumcise his son on the way. And his wife, who was an unbeliever, comes to him and says, you, you're, a, you're a, um, um, a husband or father of blood. You, you. And she circum- they quickly circum- she circumcises the son and God doesn't prevent so doesn't prevent. So this, this obedience for God is a big thing, friends. Yeah. And part of the circumcision thing was a, a, an obedience thing. But for us, it's not just an obedience thing. It's a dealing of our hearts, dealing with our hearts. And it's in that moment, after they were circumcised, if you go and read Joshua, it says, and God rolled away the reproach of Israel. And that place is called Gilgal, and Gilgal means rolled away. So what happened is, and reproach means scorn or shame. It's like God, in that moment of obedience, in that moment of circumcision, there's a moment where God cuts away everything that shouldn't be there from your past. And He puts you on back on a fresh journey. And friends, for us in the church at this time, as we take hold of what God has for us, there's something where God is wanting to deal with the flesh of our hearts. We can't just be doing the same thing over and over again. And not realizing that actually we're walking in disobedience. Or we're, not, we're carrying something into the land that actually we're not meant to have. And whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's relational disintegrity, lack of integrity or business lack of integrity or taxman integrity whatever it is there's a circumcision of heart that God wants to do to take us into more of what he has you see friends this generation they weren't the generation of Egypt but in their hearts they carry their history they are a des- they were desert slaves and God says no longer are you desert slaves You're in the land of milk and honey with a new heart, with a circumcised heart, as sons and daughters to prosper. And that that kind of shift has to happen. And that comes when God allows, when we allow God to deal 
with our hearts. It, it happens when, when we submit ourselves to the ways of God. We submit ourselves to God. The old is gone and the new has come. It's, it's, that's what we're talking about when we talk about circumcision of the heart. I love this as well. We talk about circumcision. Before victory, there has to be vulnerability. Vulnerability is the way to victory. So what God does with them, listen, if you wanted to, if you wanted to bring an army down, in fact, there's a story of this in the scriptures, Shechem, I think it was, where they made a plan and they, they, they circumcised the whole army and then they came across and killed them. If you, wanted, if you wanted to make an army weak, circumcise all their men. Makes you vulnerable. And God says, actually, what I want you to do is I want you to understand this. These people are scared. And you've got 40,000. I mean, you see the beginning of Joshua 1, 2, and 3. They've got 40,000 fighting men. They're coming with shields. They're coming with, they're ready to fight. And God says, get circumcised. It makes them absolutely vulnerable to the nations around them. God is trying to show them that if you want victory, you've got to be vulnerable for God. You've got to be submitted to God. God is the one that brings the victory, not you. It's not your strength that gets you there. It's His strength. You've got to trust God. You've got to surrender to Him. This, I think, is what circumcision of the heart means. You have to ask the question, well, why didn't they just do that on the other side of the, the joy? Well, because then there wouldn't have been a threat. They wouldn't have been vulnerable. They would have had a flooding river between them and their enemies. See, God wants us to understand He will protect us and He goes before us. Mm-hmm. But we've got to make sure that we deal with our hearts. If we deal with our hearts and we submit it to God and we're walking with God, He will show us how. Because we know who we are and whose we are. Yeah. The third thing is this, Passover. Third time now they're enjoying Passover. They're going to have a feast. Imagine the people standing on the walls of Jericho. Thinking, what's happening over there? There's a whole bunch of guys going to that corner and walking back. Very gingerly. And now they're eating. They're going to have a Passover. Having a feast. You think, they're thinking, jeez, what's going on here? Once again, God has got this way of possessing what God has for us. Not only is to have a holy memory and to have a circumcised heart, but actually, we've got to remember what Passover means. And the Passover was a feast where the lamb was prized and eaten. God says this in Psalm 23. He says, I will make a, make a feast. I'll, I'll help you to feast in the midst of your enemies. I'll set a table for you to feast in the midst of your enemies. Once again, God is trying to show them that actually the way to victory, friends, is the way of Jesus. It's the way of the Lamb. It's the timing of God. It's an amazing thing that they are in exactly, they've crossed over the river at exactly the right time, at exactly the right moment of being circumcised, exactly the right date to enjoy Passover. You don't just do Passover when you like. It was exactly the timing of God was absolutely profound. That was it. God says right now, the time is now. Let's have Passover before we move over. Friends, I want to say to us all, the table of God is absolutely central in this, in this season. 
hospitality, enjoying feasting with each other around a table, with the, with the elements of God, the blood, the body, and the blood of Jesus, the bread and yeah. the wine, is absolutely key in this moment. If we can find intimacy with Jesus, allow our, God's, our hearts to be dealt with in God, we will stay in the land. Yeah. We will take hold of the land. You see, now this generation is back in the story. Not only are they circumcised, because before you could have Passover, you had to be circumcised. Mm. So not, they're back in the story of God. They know this is it. This is what God has for us. Nothing has been lost, even though it's been 40 years of dust and in my teeth and dryness. But actually, now we're back in, and God is with us, and He is leading us, leading us on. Friends, I just want to say, in fact, I preached when I preached about the school. I spoke about the story of God. I want to remind you again, friends, we're not on about our story, we're on about God's story. We are not the main actors in God's story. Jesus is the main actor in God's story. We are the supporting actor. And what we, what we just realize is these guys start to realize once again, actually we're back in the story, we're back in the inheritance, nothing has been lost. It's been 40 years of hardship, but you know what? We're in. And we're going to take hold of it. God. And we can't go backwards now. We can't go back. It's only going forwards and God is with us. The Passover and the table of the Lord, the communion table, we remember the past deliverance, but we also anticipate a future victory. You see, for them, they had, to, they had to be reminded again of what God did for them. And they had to build faith in their lives. But actually, they also had to be assured of the victory that's coming. They had to, when you had Passover, you, the way that you ate it, was with your tunic tucked in, your shoes on, and your staff in hand. You weren't meant to just eat it like lounging. Or, no, part of the Passover was not just about being delivered from the angel of death in the moment, but actually we're on a mission now. We've got to move forward. Yeah. It's time to move, and your shoes are on, and you're ready to go. So you, you, you're expecting freedom now. You, you're moving forth. God's with you. We've got to remember what the Passover means. We've got to remember what the table of the Lord means. We break the bread to remember that something has to die for you to live. The wheat had to die for this bread to live. And Jesus had to die for the resurrection. And we drink the blood of the new covenant to remember that we are in a new covenant, in a new relationship with God. That has got a future for us, that assures us. We never worry. Even, that, even when we mess up, there's nothing that we can do that cannot be forgiven by God. That has not already been forgiven by God. In fact, by you not receiving the forgiveness, you're being disobedient. And you not forgiving somebody else, you're being disobedient because that thing has been forgiven in the blood. Past, present, and future, it's all being forgiven. So when we don't live with forgiveness, we're actually anti-gospel. We're anti-good news. We're anti-the blood of the new covenant. That's why it's so profoundly painful when we live in unforgiveness. But remember the Passover. And number four, my time is up. We've got to encounter God. It's an amazing thing that Joshua is now walking towards Jericho and he encounters the angel of the Lord. He doesn't encounter the angel of the Lord walking backwards and looking at the past. He encounters the angel of the Lord because of a future that he has. And God wants to remind, um, uh, what's his name? Joshua. God wants to remind Joshua, Joshua, remember who's in charge here. I'm here. Remember, Joshua, I'm already here. The victories you are going to have is not because of your army, it's because of my drawn sword. 
We've got to believe this, friends. Yeah. Otherwise, what are we doing with the Scriptures? Yeah. We've got to actually believe that God has victories already in place for us. That God, God has a moment. There's an angel. There's a heavenly host. It's so difficult for our Western minds to conceive of a spiritual realm. That is, and that said, where God says it's at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. You've just got to change the way you think. You've got to repent. You've got to think, actually, you know what? I, I don't just live in a material world like this. Yeah. There's, a, there's a parallel world that is not in a faraway place. That we yes. can go. It's right here amongst us. Yeah. And that actually there's an army at play. There's an army at play over the, over the nation of South Africa for the soul of this nation. And as the enemy tries to vanquish it, there's an army of heaven that has got its intent. But the church, the people of God, need to participate with, cooperate with, partner with, pray with, and allow God to bring the victory. Yeah. It is absolutely profound. We've got to encounter God. We've got to encounter God in a real way where it changes our hearts, friends. Where it puts us on the floor and worship. And we take our shoes off. It's incredible that a pagan land a pagan land can be called holy because God's there. So when we come into a place, no matter how infested with demons it is, holiness walks there. Yes. It's a powerful thing that we have, friends. We've got to encounter the angel of the Lord. You see, friends, coming out is a small part of the story. Going in is the significant part. We weren't saved to cross the Jordan. Yeah. That was not the point of salvation. That was the plan of salvation. That was what that's what we got in we got into the land by crossing the Jordan. We don't look back at that all the time. We look forward to the inheritance that is ours. You see, the reason why God crossed the Jordan with us was because there was territory to be taken for him. To make his name great. To make his name famous. To be glory to his name. When we start to understand that, friends, that Jericho is already ours. The greatest battle of your life, God's already there. You think you're on your own. You think you're outwitting, you're being outwitted by the enemy. I want to say to you, God's already there with the Lord. He's already there. You just need to encounter Him. You just need to walk into Him. Get on your face and work. worship in this season is absolutely key. Worship Him. Take off your shoes. It's not your strength. It's not your might. Yeah. It's this. Yeah. Those four things, friends. A holy memory of what God has done for you. Circumcision of the heart, allowing God to deal with our hearts. Cut away the excesses, friends. Can I just say this? Busyness is not an excuse. I walk with God. Yeah. And I know you're hectic, you're busy. The thing, the thing with this, it's actually priority, priority that is the issue. When you get so busy that you don't prioritize God, what you're saying is, I've got the strength to do this. And what's happening, friends, it's like, we're missing the angel of the Lord. Because we're going in this direction. In the meantime, he's there between you and Jericho. It cannot be the excuse of our lives that we're busy. We, everybody's busy. But what are we busy with? We're either busy doing our own thing, or we're busy with what God has for us. And what God has for you is your business. 
But is he there? Do you see him with his sword drawn over your business? There's a profound, profound moment. We need to encounter God. One of my prayers for you, Abraham, is that God will deal with your allow God to allow God to do it. You remember again the wonder of knowing Jesus. change the way you think forever. <coughs> and you know what happens is, when it changes Joshua's life, Joshua's seen everything. He's 80 years old. You're not too old to have an encounter with God. Right. You, don't, you don't think you, no, I don't need this. I've seen this, what the teacher done this. I've read scriptures, cover to cover, a hundred times. I don't need this. No, you do. We all need it. We all need to re- be reminded God is God, not me. Yeah. It's His strength, not mine. Amen. I'm praying that God Encounter you so profoundly in your workplaces, in the car with your kids, in your dining room tables, in the bedroom with your wife or your husband. That, that God would encounter you in such a profound way that you would take your shoes off and remember that the life that you are living is holy. Such a weighty word for us as a community. And there's many, many things that I think we should that we should actually process in the next couple of days. But just there's three things that I just want to bring to our attention and they hit me like a ton of bricks. The first thing that I felt the Lord say to me is movement does not automatically mean progress. Movement, you can you can be running on a treadmill, it doesn't mean you're moving forward. And that speaks into busyness. And I felt the Lord say, We've got to rid our lives, be radical around eliminating our lives from just busyness. Where we think we're actually moving forward and we're not moving forward at all. We've got to eliminate that thing. Movement does not mean progress. The second thing that I felt the Lord really just wanting to deal with us on is this thing of His promises over our lives is a one directional promise. Where we've got to say we all in. We all in. There comes a time, as someone once said, where in our walk with God, where we've got to go broke. Yeah. We've got to go broke. We've got to put everything on the table and say we all in. It's a one directional promise, Lord. We we are completely sold out for you. And then the the, the third thing and the last thing that I want to just bring to your attention, in Joshua three fourteen, it says this. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now listen to this. Now the Jordan is at flood stage. It's at flood, that flood stage during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest carrying the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the waters upstream stopped flowing. This is what I want to point out to you. It wasn't convenient. The Jordan was in flood. In harvest time. It's like, Lord, hey, can't you just call us when the water is down a little bit more? And when there's no, it's, it's not harvest time. It's not convenient right now. I felt the Lord say, the promise, the promises of, of, of Him over our lives as individuals and as a community, it's not going to be convenient. 
It's not going to be convenient. But He's wanting us to be people that host His presence, that carry His presence, and put our toes in the water because that's where He's going to begin to move. That's a word. So I want to stand just to pray for us and then we're going to sing the song. But make a decision today. Make a decision today to say, I respond. I respond. Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that it brings, Lord. Even after Passover, it says they stopped eating manna and they began to eat of the harvest of the land. I just pray, Lord God, for a, for a rich harvest, Lord God. That people would not just eat manna, the same thing over and over and over and over again. But Father, that there would be a, a harvest of a rich table of varied diverse, luscious, profoundly beautiful, profoundly tasty food, God. I just thank you for that. I pray that you would work in our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would stir faith within us again for our future, Lord God. Father, we've taken a battering over the last two years. Father, I pray that you'd fix our eyes again on the angel of the Lord, on Jesus, and that, Father, we would suck with Him, we would down with Him, we'd set time apart to be with Him. Just thank you for that. Even as we sing this song now, Lord God, I pray that you would you would minister to us, Lord God. That it would be an anthem in our hearts, Lord God. Just so you know, this song was written by some of our worship guys. One of the ladies, one of the part of the team had a dream that woke up with this line, your love is an open Jordan. You'll sing the song now, so I've got such prophetic purpose over the song, and I pray that we can enter into that in Jesus' name.